Section 219 of Chesterfield's Letters to His Son, read for LibriVox.org into the public domain. Letter 311. To Mrs. Stanhope, then at Paris. London, March 16, 1769. Madam, a troublesome and painful inflammation in my eyes obliges me to use another hand than my own to acknowledge the receipt of your letter from Avignon of the 27th past. I am extremely surprised that Mrs. du Boucher should have any objection to the manner in which your late husband desired to be buried, and which you very properly complied with. All I desire for my own burial is not to be buried alive, but how or where, I think, must be entirely indifferent to every rational creature. I have no commission to trouble you with, during your stay at Paris. From whence I wish you and the boys a good journey home, where I shall be very glad to see you all, and assure you of my being, with great truth, your faithful, humble servant, Chesterfield. Letter 312. To the same at London. Madam, the last time that I had the pleasure of seeing you, I was so taken up in playing with the boys that I forgot their more important affairs. How soon would you have them placed at school? When I know your pleasure as to that, I will send to Monsieur Perny to prepare everything for their reception. In the meantime, I beg that you will equip them thoroughly with clothes, linen, etc., all good but plain, and give me the account, which I will pay, for I do not intend that, from this time forward, the two boys should cost you one shilling. I am, with great truth, madam, your faithful, humble servant, Chesterfield. Letter 313. Madam, as some day must be fixed for sending the boys to school, do you approve of the eighth of next month? by which time the weather will probably be warm and settled, and you will be able to equip them completely. I will upon that day send my coach to you, to carry you and the boys to Longborough House, with all their immense baggage. I must recommend to you, when you leave them there, to suppress, as well as you can, the overgrowings of maternal tenderness, which would grieve the poor boys the more, and give them a terror of their new establishment. I am, with great truth, madam, your faithful, humble servant, Chesterfield." Letter 314. Bath, October 11th, 1769. Madam, nobody can be more willing and ready to obey orders than I am, but then I must like the orders and the orderer. Your orders and yourself come under this description, and therefore I must give you an account of my arrival in existence, such as it is here. I got hither last Sunday, the day after I left London, less fatigued than I expected to have been, and now crawl about this place upon my three legs, but am kept in countenance by many of my fellow-crawlers. The last part of the Sphinx's riddle approaches, and I shall soon end as I began upon all fours. When you happen to see either Monsieur or Madame Perny, I beg you will give them this melancholic proof of my caducity, and tell them that the last time I went to see the boys, I carried the Michaelmas quarterage in my pocket, and when I was there I totally forgot it, but assure them that I have not the least intention to bilk them, and will pay them faithfully the two quarters together at Christmas. I hope our two boys are well, for then I am sure you are so. I am, with great truth and esteem, your most faithful, humble servant, Chesterfield. Letter 315. Bath, October 28, 1769. Madam, your kind anxiety for my health and life is more than, in my opinion, they are both worth. Without the former, the latter is a burden, and indeed I am very weary of it. I think I have got some benefit by drinking these waters, and by bathing, for my old stiff rheumatic limbs, 
for, I believe, I could now outcrawl a snail, or perhaps even a tortoise. I hope the boys are well. Phil, I dare say, has been in some scrapes, but he will get triumphantly out of them, by dint of strength and resolution. I am, with great truth and esteem, your most faithful, humble servant, Chesterfield. Letter 316. Bath, November 5th, 1769. Madam, I remember very well the paragraph which you quote from a letter of mine to Mrs. Du Boucher, and see no reason yet to retract that opinion, in general, which at least nineteen widows and twenty had authorized. I had not then the pleasure of your acquaintance. I had seen you but twice or thrice, and I had no reason to think that you would deviate, as you have done, from other widows, so much as to put perpetual shackles upon yourself for the sake of your children. But if I may use a vulgarism, one swallow makes no summer. Five righteous were formerly necessary to save a city, and they could not be found. So, till I find four more such righteous widows as yourself, I shall entertain my former notions of widowhood in general. I can assure you that I drink here very soberly and cautiously, and at the same time keep so cool a diet that I do not find the least symptom of heat, much less of inflammation. By the way, I never had that complaint, in consequence of having drank these waters, for I have had it but four times, and always in the middle of summer. Mr. Hawkins is timorous, even to minutia, and my sister delights in them. Charles will be a scholar, if you please, but our little Philip, without being one, will be something or other as good, though I do not yet guess what. I am not of the opinion generally entertained in this country, that man lives by Greek and Latin alone, that is, by knowing a great many words of two dead languages, which nobody living knows perfectly, and which are of no use in the common intercourse of life. Useful knowledge, in my opinion, consists of modern languages, history, and geography. Some Latin may be thrown into the bargain, in compliance with custom, and for closet amusement. You are by this time certainly tired with this long letter, which I could prove to you from Horace's own words, for I am a scholar, to be a bad one. He says that water-drinkers can write nothing good, so I am, with real truth and esteem, your most faithful, humble servant, Chesterfield. End of section 219. Read by Professor Heather and By. For more free audiobooks or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org.